I'm the CEO of uh, Daft Mobile. Uh, we've been creating uh, games for uh, for several years now. Uh, as we're focused on mobile and matchmaking is one of the things that has to be done during the game development process. Of course, if you're creating a multiplayer game, and it's part of a project that we've been working on with Nathan, which uh, who spoke yesterday uh, about about Olympics. But first, let's take a step back and focus for a little while on the development process. So when you're creating games, uh, there are lots of things that you have to keep in mind. For example, of course, gameplay development, design, art tests, uh, graphics, and so on. And there are lots and lots of things. But And matchmaking, which I'll focus about, uh, on today, uh, tends to be the topic that's uh, kind of overlooked by some studios, at least. Uh, and pushed as, of course, as managers, as uh, product owners, or uh, whatever you want to call it, our job is to prioritize and to say what's important right now in our cycle. And sometimes not enough focus, what, from what, what, what I've seen uh, with talking to studios, not enough focus is put on matchmaking. And it could, well, basically, the first question we should be asking ourselves is, uh, do we really care about it? So. Let's take a quick quick look from a player's perspective uh, and how the matchmaker can influence a player's experience in, in a multiplayer game. So they're waiting in a queue, waiting for a match. They're already invested in your game. They know the rules. They've started player playing multiplayer. If it's not only multiplayer, then they've gone sort of the next level. Uh, and they want to have a good time, basically, as all players do. They already love your game. And if you think about it from the mathematics, mathematic point of view, uh, your matchmaking is really, can really influence their experience, whether they're going to win or they're going to lose. Uh, you can, if, for example, it's chess. Uh, if you match them against the grandmaster, they're most likely lose. If you match them against the rookie, if they're sort of intermediate advanced, they're, they're not going to have a great time. They're, so basically, you have that great gameplay, which... Um, your player is engaged in that gameplay and you can make them think that it's too easy or that it's super difficult or that it's just challenging enough so that they keep playing. So that's your power with matchmaking algorithms and making and optimizing it for players. So uh, if it's not done right, it tends to cloud their judgment on the game and then they do what all players do and we know they do uh, when when they're not happy, they leave hateful comments online about your game. Uh, and that, that's obvious, but the thing I want to focus here is that with those comments, um, with those comments, those players were really uh, invested in your game. They, they started playing it, they knew the rules, they uh, started playing online. And then something that pushed them away from your game was, was the matchmaking itself. That they were invested enough that they were able to identify the problem. And yeah, by the way, those are the comments from some forums. So yeah, that's, that's what players do. And maybe it was manipulated in this particular case. Maybe it wasn't. But we, we should optimize players' experience so that they're engaged in a game and they're not... Um, they're not leaving the game in, in a hateful manner. So uh, 
looking at the uh, at matchmaking again as a as a problem there's sort of two sides uh, from which you can look at it the first one being uh, being player side so from their perspective they're in the queue waiting for a match and that's all you're really doing is finding a best possible pairing for them and that's that's their goal and from your perspective you have a this set of people in the queue that are currently waiting to play to play your game uh, and your job is to pair them we're talking i'm i'll for most of this presentation for all of this presentation i'll be talking about a pvp single player versus one versus one game uh, but most of what i say applies to other kinds of other kinds of uh, setups so we have a for example 100 people in our queue and we need to pair them up somehow uh, so yeah, uh, 100 over two, that's the number of possible pairs, which is almost 5,000. And if your game is not symmetrical, then it's twice as many. So how do you do it? Uh, well, first thing that comes to mind is of course, doing it randomly. So the most basic matchmaking algorithm, which surprisingly works sometimes quite well, is just pick a player and pick a random opponent for them and just match them up and see what happens. Uh, it has some advantages. It it's really easy to implement. It's not the easiest. The easiest would be just uh, if you're adding a player to a queue and uh, and there's already another player match them together. Here you have some queue with some players in them. So it's a little more complex, but it's still quite easy. It's really fast. Uh, I mean, at runtime, it's fast. And it's sufficient for some games, especially games that are not really um, skill-based. Um, but of course, it's not enough. We wouldn't be here if it was enough, uh, because some games, uh, some games have that thing called skill. For example, chess. That's that's a game that's heavily skill-based. It's known for being heavily skill-based. And if you, for example, if your game is chess and you look at your um, player queue, uh, matchmaking queue, and you see that's not really a uniform set of the same players. That's a really diverse group of, there are some rookies possibly, there are some, uh, there are some grandmasters and you can just randomly match those together and hope for the best. So using this using data from chess.com and their blitz, uh, blitz matchmaking queue. So if you graph those, uh, those players together, uh, in your in your player distribution you'll have some rookies as you see here some uh, a lot of intermediate players some upper intermediate players and just a few grandmasters and if you try to match those using our random algorithm you'll end up again using data from average queue at chess at chess.com uh, you'll get a 364 rank difference and uh, we'll talk about ranks in a minute but Basically, that says that that's not an acceptable option for chess because there's on average a huge, huge gap between players with about 71% probability of, uh, of, yeah, of one player, one of them winning up, up front at the start of the match. And that tends to lead to low player engagement because when you think about it, if you match a rookie with, uh, with someone very advanced at chess, it's not fun for either of them. Uh, so yeah, that that tends to lead to lower player engagement and lower retention and so on. And keep in mind that's all after player got engaged in, in the game itself. 
and that's only the effect of bad, poorly done matchmaking. Um, but of course, we can improve on that. I've talked about rank. So if we can somehow compute a rank, then let's use that. And that's, of course, something that's uh, used in the industry. So we can rank players by their, by their skill. Uh, basically, what a rank is, it's, a sum, it's some approximation of player's skill. So if we can compute it, for example, with, uh, with ELO, so the most popular algorithm for chess, uh, it basically goes up each time you win uh, and it goes down each time you lose. And depending how, how much, depending on uh, who, are, who you were playing with. Uh, and that's a good approximation of a skill of a particular player in a game like chess. Or, for example, if you have a different game, you could compute rank based on number of games played by a certain player, uh, which is not a good, not as good approximation, but could be uh, could be used as well. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that rank is um, some approximation of player's skill, however you define it. And of course, you match those players that have close ranking ranks uh, to one another, and it works really well. For games like chess, for example, uh, it's really versatile and game agnostic. So you just need to define whether someone won or lost or drawn, and you put that into the algorithm so you can use existing implementation and, and implementations, and that's fine. Let's go with an example. We have four players with respective ranks of we've computed 3000, 2095, 3030, and 3010. Uh, and the implementation here is really straightforward. You just sort them by ranking and match adjacent pairs. Nothing too fancy. But not all games are like that. Let's take, for example, uh, imaginary game of wizard duels. So we have a you select a wizard and then you enter the matchmaking, for example. And we have a water wizard, a fire wizard, and grass wizard. And that's a classical, classic mechanics, of a, for example, used in Pokemon or, uh, yeah, basically rock, paper, scissor mechanics. So water defeats fire, fire defeats grass, and grass defeats water, of course, to some extent. Uh, they're just more effective in our imaginary game. So in that kind of game, when you really think about it, ranks are not a good approximation of a good match out match outcome prediction uh, because different player loadouts can affect gameplay. So uh, for example, water is more effective against fire, but, it, but it's poorly effect, uh, it's not effective against grass, for example. So a one dimensional rank cannot be defined for a, for a given player. Um, because comparing those ranks computed in that way uh, is not good enough for predicting match outcomes. And also, uh, a different topic, players can have different strategies for playing their games. For example, someone is really good at, off, uh, at offense or, uh, or at defense. And taking that into consideration, let's go back to our example. Uh, when we matched uh, two pairs together, and now let's review some data because yeah we've we've really been matching uh, players for the for the wizard game, and now we reveal what uh, what mages were chosen. So what loadouts? Those initial loadouts, and we can see that uh, the first match, the match on the left, so the water mage of a higher level will be fighting a fire mage on with a lower rank. Uh, 
so yeah, those both of those matches will not will not be in any in any way entertaining for the players um, because uh, in both there's someone with a clear advantage. But we could switch those up. We could switch those up fairly easily and, for example, create a match between the fire ma fire mage at. 3030 rank and a water mage. One has the advantage of rank and the other has an advantage of the chosen element. And it could, in principle, lead to an entertaining match. And it's the same story, respectively, with the second match. So, what I want to emphasize here, uh, sorry, yeah, what I want to emphasize here is that we were able to create uh, a better experience for those players using game specific data. So not only the not only the rank computed from one and lost ratio win lose ratio, for example, on one and lost matches, but also using uh, using game specific data. So if there's one thing that I would like you to remember from this presentation is that gameplay should matter in in a good matchmaking algorithm, uh, and by gameplay I mean. I mean loadouts and how they affect one another in your game, as well as player strategies and what tends to be favored. And also games tend to have lots of balancing updates along the way in the production cycle and later in uh, when, when in production. And that needs to be taken to, into account when updating your matchmaking algorithm as well so that they're not out of sync. So, when imagining a perfect game-specific matchmaking, there are a few thing, things that you need to take into account. First, of course, skill. If you can compute it, great, good for you. Second of all, rank. If, if you're not able to compute absolute skill, then some approximation of using a rank is, is also viable. Loadout, of course, we've talked about that, and strategies. Maybe network conditions. Uh, another, good, another important and fairly overlooked one is time in the queue. So if a player is waiting for two minutes already in your matchmaking queue, then maybe it's not because we couldn't find a perfect match for them. Maybe we should uh, lower our, uh, our match expectations and match them with someone with a poor, uh, poor matching score or maybe match them with a bot if we have bots in our, uh, in our multiplayer game. Mm. I'm not sure if there's a life lesson in there, but there's definitely a matchmaking lesson. So, Long waiting players in the queue tend to leave the game and never come back and leave hateful comments as well. And that's, of course, poor player engagement. Uh, and last but not least, uh, of course, revenue. So say we have a perfect uh, match prediction, match outcome prediction algorithm, and cre we've created a free-to-play free game and our player just bought a sword for $10. And our perfect uh, perfect match outcome prediction algorithm instantly matches them with higher ranked players so that the matches are still even. Uh, that's good for evenly based, uh, evenly, uh, even distributed matches, but that's not really perfect for, for your revenue and for, for the player engagement because they'll just not purchase anything again, probably. So, uh, that's where we were when we started working on Olympics uh, a few years back. And we've decided that those are lots of goal functions that can be defined quite well and measured quite well. And we've decided to use machine learning for it. 
instead of creating a, a game outcome, a match outcome prediction for every game, every multiplayer game that we create, we've decided to create something universal that will be available uh, for the world, basically. So we've created a matchmaking algorithm that's esports great, uh, esports ready, basically, which incorporates a machine learning based match outcome prediction, which gets better with every game played. So you don't have to input your game logic into our system somehow. Uh, it's just it's looking at the games, looking at games played in our in the uh, in the environment, and matching players based on that. So it it learns and it gets better for your game uh, with every game played. Uh, also, something that we're working on and that's ready, and something that we're working on right now is ML-based desired match outcome prediction. So whether that particular player that we're trying to match, if 50% accurate, 50 win, uh, win probability is something they're looking for, or uh, is it based for, as, as with our understanding of player engagement, should they get an easier time or a, a more difficult challenge, for example. And for games created with Olympics, it's no integration effort. Um, so it's just there that matchmaking works by default with every game created with Olympics. And that brings me to my last topic, and that's, of course, Olympics, uh, which is, if I was to summarize it in uh, this project that, that we've been working on for a few years now, uh, if I was to summarize it in one sentence, it's a complete package for multiplayer games, just like Unity, for example, is an engine to, for developers to create games in. Uh, we, we're trying to be somewhat, something like that for multiplayer. So at the most basic level, it's, a, it's an SDK for Unity for, for creating games, uh, easier for, cre for easy creation of multiplayer games. So our core values right now are not net, no netcode policy. So when you download Olympics, put it into your Unity project, you can create real-time esports grade multiplayer games uh, with ease of creating a single player develop sim single player experience in in unity so basically you just hit play and you're in a multiplayer uh, and we've done that with server authoritative design uh, i wish i had more time to talk about that i'll have a separate presentation on digital dragons about it uh, just about that concept, but what it basically means on the most basic level is that we run your game in parallel on the server as well as uh, on all the clients, and we're doing the hard work we need below the hood to synchronize those states um, so that you get an, an esports great multiplayer, basically. And that design decision was made to make it bulletproof so that players cannot manipulate the state because it's simulated in parallel on the server. Uh, we're synchronizing it. You don't have to do anything to synchronize between servers and clients. You just add objects as, you, uh, uh, as you're used to in Unity. Uh, AI-based abnormal behavior detection, that's something that Neton, our partners, have worked on and have talked about yesterday. Of course, the ML-based matchmaking, which uses the fact that uh, we're handling all the communication between players and we're matching them. Uh, it uses it to get better match outcome predictions and engage your players more. 
uh, seamless deployment. That's that's something super easy in in Unity now with uh, with our SDK. You basically click a button and the server is built on your machine and uploaded to our cloud so that our servers can start your game uh, right away. And of course, something that people tend to expect, automatic architecture scaling, but based on Kubernetes, if your game blows up because some YouTuber streamed it uh, in the middle of the night, you don't have to wake up and provision new servers. Olympix will do that automatically. And yes, that's those are the basic features that are there in Olympics. And I'm so happy to tell you that we've entered alpha version stage. We'll be launching next year um, with, with a production version. Right now it's free to use uh, for alpha. Yes, for alpha. If you want to check it out, please visit olympics.cc to check out all the features. And if you want alpha access, email me at hello at olympics.cc uh, so that we can set you up with an alpha. We'll be running a webinar later next month uh, with, with some with some of the studios that already started implementing Olympics in our game, in, in their games. Uh, so that, yeah, to, so basically how to use it, how to incorporate it in existing games, how to start developing new games. Uh, yeah, that's really exciting for me, this, this alpha release, and I can't wait for you to check it out. Uh, again, I'm uh, Michael, Michael Dabrowski, that's the Polish for it. And this is my Discord handle if you want to hit me up on Discord or email me at hello at olympics.cc. And I've lost my, there's a QA. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, so I think we have time for uh, one question. Uh, so uh, we will take the rest uh, uh, in Discord. As, as usual. So I guess we will go with uh, sure. Matt Matthew uh, uh, Spreadling. So concerning loadout-based uh, matchmaking, might players notice if the teams they encounter seem to have uh, seem to uh, have a non-random formation? Uh, if I run an all-water Pokemon team, uh, it may become obvious if my opponent are running only either all fire or all grass teams? Uh, okay, so that's a really specific question for, um, for teams. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you mean a team by uh, a team of Pokemon that one player brings with them or if, if, uh, if what you mean is a team of players. Because right now we're mostly focused on machine learning based algorithms for, for player versus player, so one versus one. And that's, I, I believe that's not, not a difference. There's no difference between different algorithms when you can, yeah, when you select your team of, team of Pokemon and enter matchmaking. So if players tend to choose all water and all grass, uh, all grass teams, then yes, yeah, someone is gonna play with them. Uh, as for as for forming team team based matchmaking, so if we're matching teams or if we predefine teams, like for example in Call of Duty, you can get into matchmaking as a single player for, for example, battle royale, of course. Uh, then 
that's a different, completely different matchmaking algorithm. And it's a very different problem. We've started working on it recently. And because computing the score and predicted outcome for pairing a team that's never played together, it's a really difficult task, even in machine learning. So right now we're where we want to be with 1v1. And that's our that has been our main focus for uh, for the better part of the project. And we've really only started researching teams recently. And it, yeah. yeah, it will be available yeah. as a part of the tool. It's You can create uh, team-based games in Olympics. It's just using rank-based matchmaking below the hood right now. So no machine learning there. 